to the Exec MBA podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Paul Kunstein. Paul is an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020, and he also comes from a political background. And he and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about how he decided to pursue an MBA, what led him to Darden, uh, why he thinks an MBA is particularly helpful for candidates who work in and around the political process, as well as his advice for prospective students generally. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Paul Gunstein. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brett. So um, for our listeners at home, tell us a little bit more about you. Uh, who are you and uh, what do you do? Sure. Uh, so I work on Capitol Hill for Senator Tammy Duckworth uh, from Illinois. So I've been with her about the last about eight and a half years. Uh, she's elected to the Senate in 2016. Uh, so I've been her administrative director in the official Senate office for the last uh, three years or so, about halfway through our six-year term. Um, before that, I spent uh, about six years working on her political side, so her 2012 House campaign, her 2014 re-election campaign, and then she ran for the U.S. Senate in 2016. Um, so about uh, five of those years out in Chicago working for her, uh, and a couple years here back in D.C. on the political side as well. So obviously a, a lot of politics in your background. Yeah. Um, how did you get interested in an MBA? Was it something you'd always thought about? Yeah, I think a couple years after school, I was kind of, I knew that I wanted to go back to graduate school. I was debating early on between law school and business school. And I think as I went along in my career, I saw the applicability of a, a business degree to what I was working on. Uh, by the time I got to the Senate campaign in 2016, I was operations director. I'd managed her House re-election campaign in 2014. And campaigns are very much like startups, right? You uh, open a bank account, you hire employees, especially uh, for a challenger candidate who's not an incumbent. Um, you're starting from scratch. You don't have any infrastructure. Uh, you literally start by filing your, you know, your election paperwork, opening a bank account, hiring some employees. What do you want your, your, uh, employment policies to be, you know, how do you want to set up your structure on the campaign, all those things. And uh, I think it became clear that I wanted to do a, a business degree. Uh, I think in the house every two years, there's kind of nonstop for an election cycle. So, uh, and then with the Senate campaign came right after two house campaigns for us. So that was sort of a full, more than full time, uh, gig and, uh, all hands on deck to get, uh, her elected to the U S Senate. And then with the six year term comes the time for some, uh, life events, if you will. Um, so, uh, you know, that gives you some more uh, breathing room to kind of think about what's next for you um, and how you want this, uh, your future to look. You're not all, you know, gearing up for re-election as, as soon as you get past the path, the last one. Um, so for me, uh, I started my journey thinking I was going to to leave and go to a full-time MBA. I remember having that conversation with you uh, here a couple years ago. You guys were just... Uh, I think putting the paint on the walls at the time here at Sands Family Ground, uh, you know, opening up uh, right early in the morning to let me in. So no one else was here uh, right before you opened up, I think, for the, the previous class. But um, we got talking about the program and it seemed like a perfect fit. I wasn't really ready to leave uh, my job. Uh, we we're just getting started in the Senate. This was 2017. We're less than a year in. Uh, we're trying to open offices, hire staff. Um, you know, I have a similar role in the, in the official office I did on the campaign in terms of operations, HR, uh, legal, compliance, managing our office budgets, sort of the business side of things, as I like to explain, especially around here, if people understand that. Um, and uh, it was a no-brainer ability to, to have uh, a strong D.C. network, 
the location, uh, being, you can literally see the office from the classroom, uh, which is a little bit too close sometimes, but, uh, is nice. Uh, and the ability also to get that experience going down to Charlottesville, keep my job, uh, while, while doing this program has been great. So it's a, a no brainer for me. So do you like that startup energy? You had mentioned that, you know, starting a campaign, uh, you know, running a campaign is, is like a, is like a startup. Is that, is that something you enjoy? Yeah, I do. I like, uh, taking, you know, building an organization. So that's one of the things I've liked the most about the last three years in the Senate office where, uh, you know, we, we obviously had a house office that came over to the Senate, a number of employees from the campaign like myself. Uh, but we were very much building the plane as we were, uh, flying it and, uh, uh, you know, we had, you know, no offices when we started, we're up to six offices now, about 60 people. Um, so that ability to kind of grow the organization and set up the policies in a way that you think, uh, you know, will be sustainable in the long run and set up our boss to succeed has been uh, really rewarding. So, uh, definitely like that early stage energy and, uh, three years in, I can say we're still there. So, uh, we've made great progress, but long way to go. Always. That's, that's great. Um, so, uh, Obviously, you made the decision to work while pursuing your MBA. Curious about what it was like to come back to school after uh, being away for a little while. You've been you've been working. Um, I think this is probably always on prospective students' minds, right? I'm going to have homework again. I'm going to have exams again. Uh, what was it like adjusting back to school and doing it while working? So for me, uh, I definitely had the academic itch. Uh, I was ready to to kind of dust off the old uh, school books and, and get back into it. Um, so I know some colleagues in the program have, have done previous degrees and uh, they didn't have sort of that itch necessarily the way I did. But for me, I was excited about it, uh, the ability to kind of learn new things every day um, and kind of broaden my horizon. So it's definitely an adjustment schedule wise. Uh, I was lucky in that uh, my boss has, has been super supportive. Uh, she herself did a, completed a PhD while being a member of the House of Representatives. So it's very much a, uh, a fan of school and professional development is a big uh, thing in our office. So uh, that support has been critical. But ultimately, what I found is getting the buy-in of the folks on my team was even more important. Uh, when you're uh, disappearing a few Fridays uh, every quarter, as well as you know some of the week-long uh, residencies and your overseas trip, um, being transparent about it and saying why uh, you're doing this and that we support other people if they want to go to school um, has been even more important than getting the buy-in from the folks above me. Uh, both are important, but ultimately they're going to be the ones left with um, some extra work when you're uh, in class. So I found uh, being upfront and transparent about that. It's not that you're taking a long weekend once a month, but that you're here uh, in school and that, um, you know, that we support them if they want to do the same thing. In fact, we encourage it. So. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we always talk about, you know, talked a lot about, about family and, and partners, uh, but also coworkers. It's a big part of the story. You know, no one gets through this program on their own. And uh, whether it's at home or at work, other people sort of pick up uh, some of the slack uh, for students here. And so um, important to have those conversations early. Yeah. And, and you're right. You are role modeling in a lot of ways. Um, and it's great to have a boss that's supportive, too. Uh, that's a very important relationship as anybody does a program like this. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't cut in and say that I am, uh, my wife is also in the program. And, uh, so we are in it together. Um, so I, I didn't get the two for one special. That I was lobbying for, uh, from you, Brett, but, 
Um, I did do my job early on recruiting for Darden. So it, it's been uh, to have that support network just here together. It's been a really amazing experience. So. Well, you preempted my next question. I was going <laughs> to ask about, you know, obviously you've done a great job of, sort of negotiating this, you know, both being here, but uh, having your own sort of separate identities and, you know, I think I commend you for that. It's not always easy. It's a relatively small program, about 130, 35 students uh, per class. Um, you know, what have you enjoyed about that? It's got to be great to have a partner sort of sharing in this experience with you. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's been one of the favorite parts about the program, being able to experience it together. Uh, you're right. We did make a conscious sort of decision at the beginning of the program to make sure that we're not, you know, always just hanging out together, eating together at every meal, trying to meet as many different people as we can. Um, and I think that's been great. Uh, it, um, you know, we even had people introducing us early on. They didn't even realize it. the last same last name gave it away, I think pretty quickly, but, um, you know, I, I think it, if it makes sense for you and your partner, uh, it's a great way to get through the program. Some people think we spend like all our time together. We both went to, uh, undergrad together. And, uh, but what people don't realize is I spent five years in Illinois working for Senator Duckworth and, uh, Amy was back here in, in D.C. So uh, it's nice to be on the same schedule uh, five years apart. Um, so uh, it's been awesome and uh, definitely recommend it. We had a, a couple uh, married couples who were trying to recruit for the next class. I'm not sure we got there, uh, any in the class of 2021. But if you're out there, uh, reach out. We'd love to chat with you about it. We do have a few couples okay. in, in the in the class. It's, it's, uh, it's great. Um, you know, I think... You're right. What better better way to sort of go through the program and have someone that directly understands uh, what you're experiencing? Um, so we talked a little bit about the adjustment to school. Uh, the big challenge for most people is time management, right? So you already had a pretty full life. You talked about sort of high work rate and you know building the plane as you were flying it. Obviously, startup phase at work uh, that takes a lot of time. Uh, you have personal life as well. And now you're trying to layer school in. And so what was the learning curve like? Were there any challenges along the way, things that you had to overcome? Yeah, I'll go back again to sort of being upfront with your team at work. Uh, there's, uh, at least for me, there was no way to really accomplish the program without getting their buy-in, both the people above you and uh, working with you on your team. Uh, because, you know, they can really make or break uh, your experience if you're in a crunch trying to get something done for school. The ability to to have that holistic picture with your team has been hugely important for me. Um, otherwise, it's I took a, a real holistic look as well at the calendar um, and kind of broke down each quarter. Um, and you know, in in conjunction with Amy and saying, okay, like here, here's what this quarter looks like. You know, here's how many weekends we can probably get away realistically. Here are the two finals weekends. You know, we we try to as hard as we can to be home for at least one of them so we can get our finals done when we're not on a plane or in a hotel room. Um, so kind of planning that out well in advance um, has been important for us. Uh, certainly possible to do it uh, sort of as you get closer, but for, for us, we found that's been really helpful. That's great. So um, prior to the program, had you done a lot of quantitative work? You mentioned finance and, and sort of managing budgets and that sort of thing. Was the quantitative work an adjustment uh, or some of the, the softer classes in adjustment to you? I mean, so this is one of the things that I think is on a lot of prospective students' mind. Do I have the right background, right? I, what happens when I get into an accounting class? I've never had accounting or a finance class. I've never had finance. Uh, was that also part of the adjustment? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've never worked in the in the private sector. I've 
you know, use Excel a lot at work uh, and managing budgets. So some of it was familiar, uh, but not the subject matter material, certainly the finance and the accounting. Uh, I've dealt with, uh, you know, campaign election accounting, which is slightly different, but the similar kind of, you have a set of rules that you have to follow. But um, th- that was an adjustment. Um, but also the softer skills, you know, like you mentioned, we were starting up our Senate office at the time. So we're trying to figure out what's our performance review system going to look like? You know, what should our HR policies look like? Um, how can we set up an office with a culture that uh, reflects, uh, you know, the values of, of the center and the values that we want to have uh, serving the people of Illinois? Um, and all those classes were perfectly timed for me as we were trying to set that up. I remember doing a, a leader, leading organizations uh, one case in the fall of 2018 as we were revamping our uh, performance review system and the articles and everything was, was super relevant to what we were working on. So, um, I think you had, uh, a learning curve with, uh, for me with some of the quant classes, but also the software classes, uh, also very relevant to my day to day. So that was nice to see. So we went to Capitol Hill last year to do an admissions event. You said something, um, there that really struck me is, is interesting. So we were talking about this very thing. And if you come without knowing much about accounting, it's all, you know, every, everything is, is learning. It's great. You know, you, you go from zero to wherever, you know, you've, you've, you're going to learn a ton in this program that, that really st- stuck with me. I think it's such an interesting way to look at it uh, because I think students tend to focus more on the deficit, right? I don't know anything about it already. Uh, but I thought the way that you looked at it was great because it was, gosh, well, great. None of this is review for you. It's all new. Yeah, no, I, and I, I really believe that. I think uh, as I'm looking at electives for the, the final quarters of uh, the program, I'm, I'm trying to have the same approach because, you know, I think one of the big things that I've taken out of this program is sort of the literacy that you gain uh, when folks come in. I know some of my colleagues uh, who've been on the podcast previously have talked about this who work in politics and government. But when you have business groups or constituent groups come in talking about issues that uh, – seem foreign to you, even if, if you've only touched on them very briefly in a class, you have an ability to have that conversation with, with those individuals in a way that um, is on a different level than you would if uh, you have, you know, absolutely no background in it. Um, so that, uh, I think you get a lot out of those classes when you're starting at zero. Um, even the ability to then go turn on the Wall Street Journal or CNBC and see uh, an article uh, that you studied in economics, uh, related to what you study in economics and it just makes more sense to you. Uh, you are able to converse about it. Um, so I think the reward for those classes where you're starting uh, with no background can often be the best. Yeah. So uh, that brings us sort of a natural segue. So um, to, all right, for someone in politics, right, there's a lot of different degree paths uh, potentially uh, for someone who works around the political process and the political process process, policy person, however you want to define that. Uh, what's the case for an MBA for someone with that background? Yeah, I think there, there are multiple cases. I think my experience is one of them. Uh, if you're in the general management or operation side of a, a either a campaign or a um, congressional office, uh, you're running a small business, um, you know, and some of them are not so small, <laughs> uh, you know, especially as you get into parts of government where you're working at perhaps a, uh, 
an agency or a large bureaucracy. You could be managing thousands of people uh, in, your, in your organization. So I think the case for that is clear. Uh, those are management jobs, uh, and they just happen to be in the nonprofit sector. Um, and all the, the skills that we learn here uh, in terms of, of general management are relevant to that. I think uh, on the more quantitative side that you know, it goes back to what I was saying before. Um, I think in the short term, you have an ability to to understand where some of the groups are coming in to to talk to you about their issues and their business. Uh, ability to uh, understand uh, the, not only the language but the issues to a greater extent, um, and then to be able to give your opinion either of yourself or your agency or of your boss and uh, elected official. So. Um, I think there's multiple different ways. And then you also have folks that uh, want to transition. Uh, but I think you don't have to be someone that wants to just leave Capitol Hill or campaigns or government to, to get an MBA. Um, I've certainly found uh, it helpful uh, as I go along in my job day to day. Yeah, it's a great point that you make. Uh, just because an organization is nonprofit doesn't mean <laughs> that there's not a lot of relevance for business practices or, or skills or subject matter that you might acquire in a program like this. Uh, there's oftentimes quite a bit of money at stake, uh, quite, a, quite a number of employees, as you noted. Uh, the scale of the federal government is far beyond uh, almost any private sector company, just uh, the amount of money combined with the number of people uh, that are potentially affected by the decisions, too. Uh, so there's there's a lot, a lot yeah. that's there. Um, one of the things uh, that also... Uh, Freddie Barnes, Steve Gilland, who have off, um, were previously on the podcast, talked about is the NBA cre- creates a certain optionality. I think that sort of touches on on your third point uh, there. Uh, even if you like what you're doing on Capitol Hill, you end up with this credential that opens a lot of doors um, beyond Capitol Hill. So that longer term, you're sort of thinking about where things might be going, you have options. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, both... In the related fields in Washington, D.C., one of the, the fields uh, I'm potentially interested in, in in the longer term is government affairs, uh, public policy, uh, association management. Uh, Jim Collins, one of the career reps uh, uh, here in the program, used to work in the association management field. And it's an appealing field to me because you have a, a mix of uh, the management side and the politics side and the government side all kind of uh, thrown together. So there's a lot of different paths, uh, even if it's not leaving government or politics going in traditional business path, but uh, the world of uh, the intersection of, of pu- public policy and the MBA, um, which I think is the title of the Capitol Hill event. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can see you all soon there. Yeah, I, I will say, um, so the event, this will be the second year that we've done it. Um, uh, credit to you and uh, your predecessors in the program for pushing us to do this. Um, I loved being on Capitol Hill. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a history government nerd uh, from way back. I, it's, it, I really enjoyed it. I also think Darden has a really, really good uh, message for people um, that, that uh, work around the political process in the political process uh, because it's a general management program, right? So uh, this is about giving people a very broad foundation in business. Uh, it's a focus on leadership and helping you grow as a leader. And that gives you a really broad platform. You can do a lot of things from there. I thought your point about literacy was also great. The word that I always use with respect to students is, is related. It's, I always talk about fluency, 
Um, so the design of this program is not to make you an expert in accounting. Um, it is designed to make you fluent in accounting so that you can have a perspective when talking with an accountant or when an accounting issue is being discussed. But at the same time, you're always going to think about how that fits within the broader operation enterprise perspective. So I'm, I'm excited. Friday, October 18th, we'll be there in the afternoon. Um, I've had the opportunity to spend some time on LinkedIn, trying to find a few alumni to come. To your point, there are a lot of Darden people that work in government relations, government affairs, trade associations, work on the Hill. I, I mean, it's been fun just looking around, seeing what people are doing. Uh, there's definitely a presence. So um, now you're in your second year. Uh, we always tell people it gets a little bit easier as you go along. Um, you're in quarter seven, about to be in quarter eight. Um, how do things feel right now to you? Uh, the end is near. You can see the finish line. Um, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, the middle year is a long uh, path. Uh, so you have sort of the 12-month stretch from Q3 through uh, Q8, which uh, so I'm happy to be close uh, on the second half of that over the hump. Um, but uh, we've loved every quarter. Um, and, you know, I think we're excited about uh, electives uh, coming up. You have more uh, flexibility to choose courses you want to take in uh, one in quarter seven and then two for us and in, in nine and uh, the full electives in nine and ten. Um, so that's an exciting time too. I'm signed up to go to uh, Japan, a darn worldwide course in uh, quarter 10. Uh, I did the Europe global residency. So uh, I think that will be a nice complement to the Europe trip, which is also a really nice way to uh, break up the long year uh, and sort of the, the routine quarter to quarter. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the benefits of the program is that the uh, course is stretched out. So we're in quarter seven, we're doing marketing, quarter eight, we have another marketing and strategy. Um, so we're still doing those core classes and learning new material. Um, so it, uh, it's nice that you can kind of have that uh, breadth of uh, experience in different subjects. Uh, when we started the program, it seemed like marketing was so far away, but um, now we're here. So I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've tried to tell our first year students, you're, you're here to be on a panel, uh, volunteering your time on a, on a, on a Saturday afternoon uh, to talk with our, our first year students, our newest students to class of 2021. Uh, you know, answer their questions, give some tips and insights. I try to remind folks on these weekends, at least this time of year, uh, they're in their second weekend residency of the first quarter. This is probably the hardest part of the program in some ways. So getting started, you're taking a couple pretty challenging courses, uh, global economics, decision analysis. Um, these courses tend to stretch people. Um, what advice do you give people as, uh, you know, you're about to talk to some first year Students, uh, what advice would you give them about how to navigate, you know, the first couple months, first first few months in the program? Yeah, those those first few quarters are, are definitely tough because you're not in your routine yet. I think for me, uh, like uh, going back to what I said earlier, I, I've now gotten to the point where I can take a look at the arc of a quarter. Right. I know. OK, like I can I got a work trip here in the middle of the quarter, you know, I have some personal weekends mixed in. Uh, you know, what weddings you go into, like everything that sort of fills your, fills your life, uh, family commitments, uh, work commitments, all the above. Um, so in, in quarter one and quarter two, you don't really know what that arc is going to look like yet. And I think that's challenging and scary, right? When you're going to your first exams, you're like, how does this work? Um, and now you're kind of into the routine. So I think the advice I would, I would give is figure out what works for you. Um, are you the person that's going to, uh, stay home that Friday night when exams open uh, the first weekend and you crank through it maybe that first weekend so you can get a, a week break in between each quarter? 
Are you the person that needs a, a minute to digest what you just got through the previous two weekend residencies? And um, you're maybe taking them the Saturday and Sunday um, after, after you've had some time to prepare and kind of get your head around what you need to do. And you just know that that's the way it is. And then you start up next quarter. Um, you know, I've been in the ladder, but I think I, uh, some of the classmates uh, that were on the panel a year ago with us, uh, you know, that's really works for them having that break. So you have to figure out what is going to be uh, sustainable in your life. How's it going to fit in your picture with family and with work? Um, but once you do it a couple times, uh, while you also get the routine and you also kind of know how much time it's going to take to get through the quarter. So it, it becomes easier, uh, uh, as well as, you know, experience with uh, getting past the initial subject matter that can be challenging as well. Yep. Um, the uh, thing that, that I'm, I'm struck by as well as you talk with uh, first year students is they haven't quite figured out how class works. Um, the case method, it takes a little while to, to figure out, like, what does participation look like? And, uh, you know, when do you talk? And, you know, how does that whole dynamic work? That's something that I, I, I could feel. It's just a touch of anxiety in the air during the first homeroom. Uh, they're waiting to be maybe cold called, which obviously, you know, for those of you who are not familiar with that, sort of when the professor just, just calls on you, you didn't volunteer. Uh, that is something that happens here at Darden. It takes a little while. Did it take you a while to get adjusted to the case method and, and yeah, the class experience? Absolutely. I think uh, we had uh, Professor Ben Cat, uh, who's uh, a dean of faculty at Darden, um, early on in the program uh, in quarter one for a course. And I think he made a point that stuck with me, which is you eventually figure out to separate the signal from the noise and uh, not just a decision analysis reference, but also uh, the volume of material you're trying to get through. Um, you know, you learn the, the right uh, systems and processes for yourself. How can you get through a case and you have the key takeaways, even though if you can't run every number yourself, uh, just is not, might not, it's not realistic basically for any one person to do every single calculation for every single case coming up on a weekend residency. I don't think I'm breaking any news there uh, to anyone uh, on the faculty, but you learn the, the ability to get the key points out. And then once you realize that if you have enough of that background going into a class that you're not going to get cold call and have nothing to say, um, then that takes some of the pressure off uh, because you're not, uh, necessarily going to be the one to run through the exact calculations in every case in a weekend, but um, you'll have the ability to, if you put in the time and, and have the baseline knowledge on, on at least every case, and then maybe a deeper knowledge working with your learning team on a specific case, um, in the end, it all kind of shakes out. Um, and uh, you'll learn quickly sort of the people that um, uh are able to, you know, kind of be on their feet and, and it, uh, it becomes less scary as you uh, get through it a few times. So for certain, the, uh, you made a really good point and I want to talk a touch about this because, um, we talk with prospective students about how you figure out in the program, you know, the amount of work you need to do to be prepared for class, which when you first start is probably, you probably some of the stuff that you're doing is Maybe not necessarily too much, but it might be overkill at a certain point. You're sort of trying to figure out that filter. And then also you kind of figure out at some point that you can't do it all, right? And uh, I don't mean to make our students sound unambitious, you know. Uh, I think it's just the hard reality of, like, that's a leadership skill, right? Absolutely. You know, you have to figure out. 80% solution sometimes. Right. You have to figure out, like, what's important? What's the most important thing? What's the priority right now? 
and uh, triage sometimes and ask other people for help or lean on your learning team or whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes when I share that advice, I, I feel like people are processing it. You know, the people that are attracted to this program are driven, motivated people. I mean, everything that you talked about in your background, like you're somebody who's worked very hard, achieved a lot. You're now thinking, you were thinking about going back to school. It's a certain kind of person follows that path. I think sometimes prospective students hear that in a certain way. And I'm like, really? But I think that to me, that's true to the program. Um, was that a surprise to you when you got into the program that you kind of got to this point where you were this, were thinking about like, well, I can't be perfect all the time and do all these things just so. Yes, it was. Uh, I think the other thing that uh, is closely related to that is that for those coming from an undergrad or maybe a different graduate program where it's not the case method, you used to a professor going in, in front of the room, the first class, and kind of saying, okay, here's the formula, here's a couple steps, here's an example, and then the next class is maybe applying it. So everything's backwards a little bit at Darden in a good way. I found that it's been much more effective uh, from a learning process for me. Uh, but you get, you might get some, you know, videos or technical note ahead of time, but you're very much um, sort of thrown in the deep end and have to swim out. And I found that's been effective for me. But where you can get tripped up with that is if you think that you're going to solve everything without having that first class about it, because the class comes after, right? So if you're given a decision analysis problem, and, you know, you spend some time looking at the technical note, maybe some videos. I think one of the good pieces of advice that I got is, you know, spend an hour and a half, two hours max sort of on one case. You got, uh, you know, a dozen or so for a weekend. Um, and then, you know, you'll, you'll go over it in class. Uh, you'll, you'll have sort of your first attempt, but don't kill yourself on one case. Um, and I think like exactly like you said, that's a leadership skill. Uh, it's triage. It's also uh, knowing when to cut your losses exactly is a good skill um, to have too. Um, because ultimately, uh, you have to be with efficient with your time. Um, and it does take a bit of changing the way you uh, orient yourself in an academic setting to get to there because you are used to getting the material first and then wanting to solve it before you get to class. And it is uh, a little bit uh, different process here in a good way, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, I think for, you know, that there's so many learning curves. We've talked about a number of them. But, you know, if you're used to coming in and that sort of transmissive approach and it's all going to be very clear by the end of the class period, it's just not how it works. And, you know, oftentimes many people coming out of learning team or their group, whatever they, whatever way they've prepared for class, they may not even necessarily, I mean, we've got like a few different ideas here. We think this might be the thing. And then you go to class and class can sometimes make things a little bit murkier because again, it's not about an answer. It's about a, an approach the questions that you're asking, things that you're thinking about. Um, and even if the professor tells you, well, this is what happened, doesn't mean that that's actually the answer either. Um, so. I, the good news is I think that in my experience, mimics life more closely than uh, the other way around, right? Uh, in the workplace, you're you're not getting that pre-lecture, the the background first, and then an opportunity to solve the problem. Uh, you might get some you know background as you go along, but ultimately, a lot of uh, what you're doing on a day to day basis is kind of figuring out as you go along, and you you make yourself that expert based on um, working with your colleagues and learning from failures and all that. So I think. Uh, the Darden classroom does an excellent job sort of mimicking the real sort of reality of uh, being in a, in a business situation. Yeah, that's definitely the goal. And, and the other thing I think that Darden students get comfortable with, and, I, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, 
and I've had some recent conversations with some of the residential students about this on the on the Experience Garden podcast, is, you know, the faculty don't let you off the hook in the sense that you got to, like, the question is always, what's the decision here? You know, this is what we're trying to do, or it's often often the main question is like, what what are we trying, you know, what's the issue? What should what should be done? And, and I, why does it matter? Too? Yeah, I exactly. Think they do an excellent job tying it back to uh, why this calculation matters for the actual business or organizational priority. Yeah, and I, I'm curious about how that has helped you as somebody having a perspective or, or making decisions. I mean, you, you, you practice a lot of that in, in class, is at least my impression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they do an excellent job uh, with... Uh, Sort of setting the, one of the benefits of the case method is that it's very scenario based, right? Um, and you have uh, background that you're given. Uh, you kind of step into the role of that protagonist in the case, and um, at the end of the case, you kind of feel the the blood pressure going up, and you're you're living that decision, um, and it makes it such a rewarding way to learn because you know that's how it is in the real world, and you're given some facts, you're debating around the, the, the room with your colleagues uh, and your team. Uh, sometimes you need to sell your boss on something. Uh, sometimes you need to sell the professor on something or your learning teammates. And I think the case method and the way that uh, the Darden classroom is run really reflects that sort of reality day to day. So, Paul, uh, we talked a little bit about electives um, what was your approach in terms of thinking about the classes that you wanted to take? I mean, what, what are you taking? Uh, you mentioned Japan, that you're going to be going to Japan. Uh, any other electives that, that you're excited about? Yeah. So um, like you alluded to earlier, I, I signed up for some classes that I would not have the opportunity to, to have experience with the subject matter before. So entrepreneurial finance, um, uh, institutions and global markets, which is uh, Yorgos uh class, which was hotly, uh, always hotly contested, uh, if he, especially if he does a class during leadership residency one the first week in, in Charlottesville, um, is a sort of real electric presence in the classroom. So I, I bid a lot of points on that. Um, Japan, you mentioned ultimate questions with Professor Wicks. I really enjoyed the, the ethics class. It's a lot of uh, applicability in the political campaign government world. Um, so I'm signed up for that. Um, and I took entrepreneurial thinking as well, Professor Fairchild, um, and it was great to connect uh, sort of the face with uh, some of our Capitol Hill events that he's been at with us. And I take that class. And uh, like I, you mentioned, um, you know, campaigns especially are very much like startups. I think different than governments. Worth pointing out, you have uh, you know the development side, the fundraising side. You have cash flow. You got to decide, you know. Uh, who are the, the voters we should go after. So you have sort of a market research side of it. You have digital acquisition. So how much should you spend to acquire a name? So you have a marketing aspect of it. Uh, you got looking at different TV markets, TV advertising, uh, persuasion with voters, voter contacts, so all kinds of uh, really applicable uh, things to a, a business context, just sometimes with different terminology. But um, it was great to be in that entrepreneurial class with Professor Fairchild because he touched on a lot of those issues as well. And you've had some VIP guests through, yeah. throughout the uh, throughout the quarter. Yeah, he had um, a number of, I think we had about five guest speakers and they're all excellent. So that was great. Yeah. So um, 
So a, a full slate, a lot, lot of diversity there. We get a lot of questions about specialization in the elective space, and you know, I, I, you know, there's certainly value to that. But I think just from a from a philosophical standpoint, this program uh, we're m- much more about breadth. You know, our goal is to make you a generalist um, because for managers, for leaders. Uh, you're really not going to be the technician in the room. That was uh, something that uh, one of our alumni said to me on an earlier podcast episode, and it, it stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, of course, right? You're moving on and upwards, and you're going to be managing teams. No one's going to ask you to be that specialist. Um, and I, I think even in the elective space, the program is aligned around that. So um, in a day of advice giving, which you're about to do here, um, any other sort of last tips, anything that you would encourage people to think about is either they're weighing the decision to go to business school or Darden or even just na- navigating the application process. Any, any last suggestions? Yeah, I think uh, if you're someone out there who, like me, was debating sort of between full time and, and this program, I think have a realistic conversation with yourself about the pros and cons of each. Um, I certainly feel like I made the right decision, but they're very different experience experiences. Um, and I felt like, and I know Amy felt like the same way, you know, we were at the point of our lives where this program made the most sense. We didn't want to stop working for two years, but we wanted the same sort of quality of program and the professors and the darn experience. And I think, uh, you know, for someone that went in thinking about doing full-time, uh, take a pause and weigh the, the pros and cons of those, uh, two decisions, because I think they are very different in both fantastic in their own way. But um, I think this program has a lot to offer and and folks should consider it if if it makes sense for them. That's a great point. I mean, we always highlight that if you think about the populations of people, you know, one looking at the residential program, uh, another looking at the executive MBA program, sort of the sketch, you know, the the residential class around two to 10 years of work experience, our executive MBA class, from five to 25, 30 yeah, plus years. There's a lot years. of overlap. There's yeah. a lot of overlap there. Yeah. And if you happen to find yourself in the middle of that Venn diagram, you could go either way. And so there's a lot of good questions to ask around, you know, do you like what you're doing? Do you feel like you have some momentum? You know, you feel like you would be giving up some of that momentum, take two years off. You know, maybe, maybe you want to make a significant switch. An internship would be necessary. Um, there's a lot, a lot of different things to think about. That's, that's great advice. Although it's worth noting at the end of the day, everybody, all formats, exact same degree, which is also a little bit of a misconception out there. Um, everybody graduates with the Darden MBA. It says the exact same thing. One graduation ceremony, which you will get to do in just a few months. Yeah, we just, uh, reserved hotel rooms for, uh, our two families. So we'll have a full crowd down in Charlottesville in, uh, May 2020. So we're looking forward to it. Well, I think that day, and I will say this as somebody who's just been sort of on the periphery of it, that day is as exciting for the families as it is for the graduates. Cause again, it takes a lot of people to get someone through this program. So, Absolutely. so Paul, thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday afternoon. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks for all your insights and look forward to seeing you on the Hill in a couple weeks. Thanks for having me, Brett. And that was my conversation with Paul Kunstan, an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.